No Anthony DeBundo on today's show, but we've got lots of numbers for you on the program. Today, we are going to dive into what's sustainable, what's not, both from an individual lens as well as from the team scope of what we've seen over the last four games, some trends that we're noticing, what could stay, what is probably going to evaporate once we get a little bit deeper and deeper into February. We'll dive into all of that. Also touch on a little bit of Virginia Tech, too. How important is this game? Because it is a damn important one for the Syracuse team. We will do all of that and more coming up next on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is your Thursday Locked on Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Aki, joined by Tim Leonard. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. The only place to get daily Syracuse Orange podcasts. And we are free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to the show, like the video, all that fun stuff. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well, whether it's Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app. We're on all of them. So check us out day to day there. A lot of numbers on today's show, Tim. We got to get into this because we've we've been tweeting some cool numbers. We've been give, get, receiving some cool numbers too. But all right, let's start with some individual players, and then we'll get to the team stuff later on in the show. But a couple of individuals have certainly stuck out over these last four games, notably Joe Girard and Cole Swider. We kind of dove into Cole Swider on yesterday's show, um, but so I want to get a little bit more into Joe Girard and what he's done lately, but. Over this four-game winning streak that the Orange has posted, Joe Girard is averaging 16.3 points per game, five assists, about four rebounds, only turning the ball over two times per game, and is shooting a whopping 50% from three during that stretch as well. And has also made all of his free throws during that this, this stretch too. So Joe Girard, will it be sustainable? Will it not be Probably no, especially once the competition starts to step up a little bit. But, I mean, these are damn good numbers, albeit against some suspect defenses. But this is the type of stuff that you want out of your point guard. I mean, he's playing point guard with these numbers. 16 points and five assists. Like, the 5-2 to two turnover to assist ratio is a good thing for Syracuse right now. That's huge. I think the turnover numbers in particular is the biggest thing for him going forward. It's interesting because... I remember, shout out to Anthony DeBundo, he was kind of on it early how Joe Girard's going to have some shooting regression he brought up. I think this was two or three weeks ago. He started out the season like 50% from three, right? Mm -hmm. And we had the yeah. conversation, all right, it's not going to stay like that. So then he went through a stretch the five games before this winning streak. He shot at just 26% from three over the course of those five games. And that even included a four for five performance from three against Clemson but he had some clunkers against Duke and Pittsburgh and it's been well-documented. Now he goes back up to around 50% from three in the four game winning streak. He's shooting 43% from three on the season. I think if anything, it probably falls slightly under that towards the end of the year. But to me, he is a 40% three point shooter. Yeah. Like some tough shots, but he's a great shooter. He's a 90% foul shooter. He doesn't miss the rim in practice is what everyone says. So I don't think it's totally unrealistic to think this is kind of what we're going to get. Now, if you look at his recent seasons at Syracuse, he never shot to that level, but I think last year, COVID stuff like that impacted it. So I would expect him to be around 43% the rest of the year from three. I look at Joe and you brought up the regression that he had. And we knew the regression was going to come at some point, like, very, very tough, especially at the volume that he shoots at, too, to shoot 50% from three. But 
I got to say, I thought the regression would be a little bit steeper than it has been. I think he is pretty, he's kept that boat afloat pretty well, all things considered. And for us to be in nearly mid February now, and he's shooting 43% from three, he's shooting about 92% from the free throw. He's missed six free throws all season long. Like, yeah. so, so is Cole Swider. Cole Swider's also missed only six free throws all season long. Like, these guys are dead eye shooters. And I think now that Syracuse is in a rhythm and in a winning rhythm, like, Joe Girard's a big part of that in terms of what's going to regress a little bit. I, I'm interested in your thoughts on what's what kind of regression will we see from him from a turnover and, and from a assist standpoint because he's at five right now and and the over this four game winning streak and two in the turnover department here. How do you see those numbers hovering over? Let's say over the next four games. I do think those will regress a little bit just because you've got some physical teams coming up as well. And once he goes up against that style, like Pittsburgh, he had two of his worst games of the year against Pittsburgh. And that's not a coincidence to me because Pittsburgh is a physical defense that plays up on you a little bit more. It's interesting. We had the conversation yesterday. Who's the biggest X factor? We sort of talked about how Swider, when he plays well, Syracuse plays well. And I did some digging on Gerard when he plays well versus when he plays poorly, how does Syracuse fare in their seven ACC wins so far this year? And I tweeted this out from our account. He's averaging 16 points per game. He's shooting 51% from three, and he's got roughly 24 assists to 11 turnovers. So he's taking care of the basketball much better. 1.5 turnovers per game in the seven ACC wins in the losses. He's averaging around three turnovers per game. He's shooting 28% from three, and he's scoring 10.5 points per game. So, as a lot of people tweet at us, when he plays like Sienna Joe, then Syracuse plays like Sienna. I mean, it's it's really that simple. Yeah. He's kind of been the X factor, and if he's going to play well, it's a different team. And keep in mind, in one of their losses, he went 7 for 12 from three and scored 26 points against Miami. You take that game out of the equation – in the losses in ACC play for Syracuse, he is six for 33 from three, 18%. Jeez. Yeah, that, that's a huge drop off there. I mean, you look at look at it. If you take that one game out, he's missing over half of his three pointers, man. Right. <laughs> which, which is astounding to think of right there. I look at it from, from this standpoint. Like the more impressive part to me isn't the assists per se. It's the turnovers that have taken a drop yep. during this four game winning. So like he's dropping about a turnover a game. And I know Syracuse hasn't necessarily played in a lot of close games, but think about some of the losses and how many one possession games those were, or how many games that were decided in the final 45 or so seconds in those games or, or went to overtime too. losing a turnover in some of those games might be the difference between a win and a loss in some of those. So if he's taking care of the basketball and I know this doesn't necessarily apply to the last game, but Joe Girard playing well makes Jesse play really well. Mm -hmm. Like his ability to find Jesse, I, I don't have the numbers, but it feels like he's never forcing things to Jesse. He finds him in stride. He zips passes. He gets them out ahead. When we talked about Joe getting out and starting transition buckets too, that's actually one of his strengths when he almost is in the pocket playing quarterback, it feels like, and sees the the whole thing downfield almost that's where he's at his best as a facilitator. And Jesse's a big part of that. I think those two go hand in hand to having success. Yeah. And I think you're spot on with a turnover number for him, because when you dissect when Syracuse wins and when Syracuse loses, 
he usually averages right around the same amount of assists per game. That doesn't yeah. change. The turnover like his season though. long, like the last four games, he's averaging five for the season. He's averaging about four and a half. Yeah, so it's not that big of a difference there. It's the turnovers going from in ACC play in wins, he turns it over about one and a half per game to in losses, almost three and a half per game. That is the staggering difference. And really, when you look at Syracuse's team, they take care of the basketball pretty well. They're top 50 in the country in turnover rate on offense. Joe Girard is really the only guy that is like Jimmy doesn't turn it over for as much as we'll give him some criticism every once in a while. Buddy never really turns it over for as much as he handles the basketball. Cole Swider doesn't really turn it over. It's Gerard's turnovers that change things from if Syracuse is going to have a game where they lose the turnover margin or if they win the turnover margin. It really comes down to Joe Gerard. And there's been a lot of games this year where I've said, wow, Syracuse played really well. And then I look down at the box score and they have five or six turnovers. That's a key mm -hmm. for this team. It's always been a key for Syracuse teams, but especially when they're not getting as many from the two, three zone on the other end, taking care of the basketball is big. And really it comes down to Joe Girard. Yeah. Let's move on to Cole Swider real quick. And we hit a lot on Cole yesterday. So if you missed any of that, check out yesterday's show, but I think it's safe to say he's not going to keep these numbers up, but it's yeah. like, can he <laughs> hover around some of these numbers? Like, I'm thinking, I'm looking in particular at the three pointers that he's made over the last four games. He's averaging three and a half three pointers made. I don't want to say that's a sustainable number, but I think you can hover around that. Like if you're hovering around three made per game down the stretch of, of what you've got left in ACC play in the regular season, like that's going to set Syracuse up pretty nicely. And I don't think that's too tall of an ask given how he's sort of shifted his role and also gotten a lot more confident as a shooter as well. Yeah, actually, the more I dig into Cole's number, the more I would just say he should be shooting more, right? Because he's up to 40% from three on the season now. But even over this winning streak, he's attempted 19 threes in the last four games. Like, that's a decent amount. But there yeah, are games he game. shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he shot two for two, three for right. five from three. Like, I'd rather see him go four for eight. You know, right. five for nine, that type of stuff. It's because, the old Mark Titus saying, right? Like you should yeah. never shoot better than 50% from three because you're hurting your team at that point. If you're shooting better than 50% from three, well, you're not taking enough shots. And, and if it's like, it's one thing, if you go 10 for 10 from three, like you can't really take much more than 10 threes, but like if you're making them, keep taking them, right? Yeah. And I think in general, now that he's gotten confidence, now that he's made some shots, be willing to take some tougher shots, especially from three, because that's his strength. And I know he prides himself on being an all around player and he showcased that throughout the year. But now that he's actually started to make some shots, let's dip into that. I'd like to see against Virginia tech shoot at least five threes. And I, I mean, obviously it's game flow and sometimes you just don't get looks and teams are trying to take him away from that. So it is tough. But to me, he should, in 35, 37 minutes, be shooting at least five threes a game, the type of shooter he is. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, we will get into Buddy Beheim, Jesse Edwards, and, and some other team stuff as well of what we're seeing from the numbers, what's sustainable, what's not. But first, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current 
current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season as well. We use it for our prop shop as well as our picks every week. BetOnline.net has you covered. So BetOnline, where the game starts. Taking a look at Buddy here, I feel like he's sort of flown under the radar almost during this four-game mm-hmm. stretch just because Cole stole the show. We've seen some great Jesse performances. Um, Joe's had some really good games as well. We talked about Frank a lot and what he did in the last game. But over this four-game winning streak, Buddy Beheim is averaging 20 points per game. And it feels, I don't want to say it's a quiet 20 because it, there's certainly some loud moments and he's shooting 43% from three. He's taking over nine threes per game during this stretch. You almost want Cole to be the one taking maybe not nine, but like get in the neighborhood of almost seven per game. But what Buddy has done over this stretch has been remarkable. And might I say of everyone that's playing well right now, probably the most sustainable because when you look at his season averages, everything's sort of hovering right there. Yeah. Too. Like he, he's averaging 19.1 points per game for the season, I believe, right now. He's averaging 20 during this stretch right now. Um, his his three point numbers are a little bit up, but I feel like that's more of a regression to the mean for Buddy. Like we talked about how we expected Joe, and eventually I think we'll see Cole have some negative shooting regression. Like we were expecting some positive shooting regression from Buddy. And he's kind of pulling up to that standard right now with the 43% over the last four games. Yeah. Now he's 35% on the season. I would expect that to go up if anything. And yeah, he's just playing like buddy. I don't even think he's really changed anything. So I don't look at his numbers as, all right, is that sustainable? Is that unsustainable? Because he's a top five scorer in the ACC this year in points per game. And you can say what you want about, Oh, he takes more shots than other teams would let him and so on and so forth. But, He's still putting up volume. It goes back to what we joked about when Jim Beheim said something like, if he was averaging 12 points a game, then the fan base would probably want to shoot him. Like, I'm just yeah. glad that he's actually scoring because he is really as only Jim Beheim can put it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I did look at it. the gap between this was the other day. So the the numbers have changed, but I bet you the the overall premise is still the same. The gap between so Buddy's taken more shots than anybody in the ACC, and it's not even close. The gap between Buddy is much larger, and this is from one to two in mm-hmm. field goal attempts taken this year. The gap between one and two, so Buddy to I can't remember who's number two. It may have been Sebron from NC State. The gap between those two players is greater than any other gap I as bet. you go down through the top yeah. ten, and it makes sense. And it's like at the end of the day, like who else do you want taking these shots? too like buddy's made some tough shots this year you think about how much better he's gotten at that free throw line jumper where he sort of backs you down a little bit and then uses his size to elevate over you like the only guys that can really give him trouble from a defensive standpoint are guys that are sitting around six four but have six seven six eight wingspans maybe even like six ten wingspans but those guys are a rare breed and even those guys buddy's had success against too Yeah, anytime we get into this conversation, I think back to the last pit game, the one they lost right before this four-game winning streak where he did score 25 points and he did chuck up like 20-something shots in that game. But watching that game, no one else could do anything. Gerard was off and Torrance was out of the game. He's a guy that actually can get into the lane. So then you just didn't really have any creators. And Jimmy Beheim is really probably your second best creator when you take away some of the guys I just mentioned. But Jimmy really can only create when he gets a switch and gets the certain matchup that you're looking for. And in a certain spot on the floor. Yeah, exactly. So I think 
the whole conversation around Buddy is tough because he's probably going to be an all ACC player partially because he gets to shoot a ton. If he was on a different team, maybe he wouldn't be an all ACC player. But you might see his percentages go up if he's on another team too. Maybe. And he wouldn't be guarded like the number one guy and he wouldn't be facing that type of defense. The other thing though is I don't really knock Buddy individually for being on a team that just happens to not really have any creators and he's forced to be the main guy. So I don't know. He's an all ACC player. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the whole premise. Like who else do you want to take the shots on this team? Like you want buddy Bay. I'm taking the shots because in terms of a, a three level scorer on this team, he's the best and it's not even close right now. And when he gets in a certain mode, then he's by far has the highest ceiling of anyone on the team. Like he right. can take over games. And I don't know if you can say that about really anyone else, despite having a really good shooting team. Yeah, the best example of that is the Indiana game where you thought, oh, he's coming off of that battle for Atlantis. He's going to have dog-tired legs, and then he's going into overtime and double overtime and making every tough shot. Like, he was hitting those floaters on the baseline in that game, and it was just like a, a guy should not be able to do this right now at this stage in the game given what he's gone through the past week from a fatigue standpoint, and he still went out there, did it, made tough shots over tough defenders. Well, the Wake game, too, he scored 30 points, the game that Giannis was at, and I don't think he attempted a free throw in that game. I saw some stats. Yeah, the day he replaced Pat Connaughton against against (laughs) when Giannis was in the stands against Wake. It was one of the first games in recent memory. I think Mike Waters tweeted out that someone reached 30 points for Syracuse and really in in the country in recent memory and did not attempt a free throw. Yeah, I'm looking at his his numbers over the the stretch right now, too, and uh, he is averaging one free throw attempt per game. So oh he shot gosh. four free throws over the last. That's got to go up. I mean, and and it's tough because it's, you know, that requires him taking even more shots and taking on more responsibility. But you'd like to see him maybe use his pump fake more, just get to the line a little bit more. You know, I almost would say no to that because think about what that entails. That means doing more pressure. Like you're not going to get fouled on a lot of three-point attempts, right? And then what's his his number one traits? His three point shooting. That will require require him going to the basket a lot more, which maybe takes a little bit away from Jesse too, who's been so good in that area. And that also requires you taking a physical beating too. And I don't know if I want Buddy taking the physical beating. Given yeah, but you don't a, want him taking one free throw a game. I mean, he, that can go up a little. I'm not opposed to it. Like if you're taking nine, three, like you're not going to get fouled. You're that good of a foul shooter and you hold the ball that much. And a lot of your game is in the mid range area like that. You should get to the line more, but if he's making the shots, what does it matter? Like you're not going to make, you're not going to make the shots when you're getting fouled as much. You're, you're taking the tougher two almost at that point. If you're, if you're making the shots, like there's no necessarily need to get to the foul line. Like I get it. He's a great free. What I would say, like you're almost surprised that he's not getting the ball more in fouling situations late in games, but Syracuse hasn't been in a lot of close games lately that would warrant fouling situations. No, I do think part of it is the refs have just sort of let fouls happen more this year. And that's been noted across yeah. the country. And I think of all the players on the team now, one problem I have with this team is every time there's a potential foul, they throw their hands up. And I, I hate yeah. teams that do that. And it really mm-hmm. bothers me. This team more than recent teams really does that a lot, but I do think buddy has a right to complain sometimes where it feels yeah. like he he's didn't earned get his keep. And he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. All right, we will get into some team stuff as a whole. Also touch on some Virginia Tech uh, stuff ahead of that game because that's a huge, huge game for the Syracuse team. We thank you for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen. And don't forget... The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, so tomorrow, today, later on today. And the Locked On NBA podcast is covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA's YouTube channel and turn on your notifications so you know when they go live. It's a huge NBA trade deadline already. We've seen a couple stars get moved. So. Let's get into some team stuff now for the Syracuse squad and what's been going on the last couple of games, how things are trending, what can be better, what can, I mean, what can you expect to stay to? Starting with three-point shooting, both the offensive and defensive standpoints here, Syracuse is shooting 52% from three on 21 attempts per game. Meanwhile, defensively, this, this may be the most key part of it all, but they're holding teams to 33% from three. That's a really big number for this team, given what we've seen. And as a, so the season as a whole, they're averaging, they're shooting 38% from three and they're defensively 34%. They're allowing their opponents to hit from. If they can keep the three point numbers down defensively, like at the end of the day, Syracuse is probably going to hover in the neighborhood of 40% shooting the ball the rest of the way. But defensively, if you can keep that number around, 33%-ish. I mean, given the volume, too, that opponents chuck against Syracuse, you almost want it in the neighborhood of, like, 31, 32. Yeah. But, and it'll naturally go that way. Like, I don't think that the 34% is even a true indication of how bad the... Because that's not a terrible number. It's still 200th but, in the country, though. It just shows right, you. But, like, given the volume, like, usually at the volume that Syracuse allows teams to shoot threes that number is hovering around 30 right but wouldn't that help them if teams are chucking more threes than that number they should have a better percentage it's, it, number it's more of an indictment on rebounding too like rebounding that you get more opportunities and you're taking more threes like how many times have we seen teams put up three four threes in a possession right like and you get credit for one but and it's 25 percent. but at the end of the day you went one for one it feels like from three because it was one possession. How many threes are you getting per possession? Yeah, so three-point defense is an interesting statistic because I think there is some things that you just can't project about it. But not to be a Debbie Downer, I do think we're due for uh, some regression here. And it feels like it's a little bit unsustainable because even taking it back to the pit game, so the last five games for Syracuse, teams are shooting 32% from three against the Orange. But in the last five games, I looked at the average ranking of their three-point percentage per those teams and the average ranking is about 217th in the nation for the last five games uh the opponents going up against Syracuse you take a look at the upcoming schedule I'm going to take out mm -hmm. BC because they're a terrible three-point shooting team and really we're going to win against BC at home I think so let's just exclude that game let's focus on the games that we're really worried about so that is the six opponents left on the schedule Miami, who we played once, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, UNC, Duke, and then Georgia Tech. They're all inside the top 100 in terms of three-point percentage in the country. And the average ranking of those six opponents is 46th in the nation, compared to 217 in the five games before this. So 
you've had good three-point defense in a five-game stretch, but you've gone up against teams that have allowed you to do that partially. Now can you do it against teams that are known for shooting the three? And Virginia Tech is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Every time I look down at their box yeah. scores, this last game against Pitt, they went 13 for 27. They had a game this well, year conference play, State. they're shooting 43%. Yeah. Like, like that is an Florida immaculate State, number. On the road this year, Virginia Tech went 18 for 25 from three in a game. Think about that. Yeah. That's 70-something percent on 25 attempts against a pretty solid defense in Florida State. So that worries me that the schedule is getting tougher. So Syracuse right now is ranked fourth in the ACC in conference play in three-point shooting. So let's take them out of the equation because you can't play yourself. You have four. You 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 face the next four teams, or not mm. the next four teams left on your schedule are in those four, the, like the top four if you take Syracuse out. You have to right. face the pretty much the four best offenses that you can face from three the rest of the way. That's going to be a problem. And that's why it's like – that big stretch of Notre Dame and Duke and Carolina and Miami, like that's a really important stretch because if you can tie some things up defensively and work the kinks out now again, uh, it'll be tough. You can't work the kinks out against Virginia Tech because they're they can shoot the lights out, but you can work the kinks out against a Georgia Tech, against a BC again. Like maybe you can put yourself in a decent situation, especially for some of the home games that you have. But you don't have a lot of those in in these tough games either. Yeah, you look at last time they played Duke, Duke shot at 14 for 37 from three, 38%. Last time they played Miami, 11 for 30 from three, 37%. That's two losses. Pretty much when they allow double-digit threes, which has been too much this year, excluding a game like a Lafayette or a Drexel or Cornell, mm -hmm. something because Cornell did make 15 threes on them. They shot 46. But you look through their game logs here, and Colgate made 18 threes. Auburn made 12. Villanova made 13. Like the double-digit three games, that's just tough to compete against. Teams have been doing it recently. NC State made 16. You still won the game. But I just I worry that it's going to be teams shooting a lot of threes that are really good three-point shooting teams down the stretch. And they're just better teams overall. So yeah, kind of like you need things to go your way to pull off upset wins against the likes of Duke and North Carolina. What will be coined upsets? And one of those things is three point defense. And not to mention, but you've got some really good rebounding teams and like big teams, too, that you're going to like you're going to take on North Carolina. You're going to take on Virginia Tech. Like those are teams that can rebound the basketball and create second chance opportunities. So it all to me comes down to three pointers per possession. How many are you letting up? Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. You can look at percentages all you want, but if you get four attempts on a single possession, you're, you're set effectively one for one on that possession because your rebounding created that three-pointer. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, anything else that stood out from, for you from a team standpoint of what's been going on the last four games? No, I think the three-point shooting is the big thing. And I would say, I do think, I hinted at this yesterday a little bit, I do think that the rotations in the three-point defense is just getting better regardless of the opponent. But I don't think it's better to the point that I'm not worried about a Virginia Tech or not worried about a UNC or a Duke, some of these really good three-point shooting teams that are coming up. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting. We'll get Anthony DeBundo's perspective on this maybe when he does DeBundo's digits, but if you're a type of person like Anthony DeBundo that's looking at trends and betting and trying to figure out, all right, what does this mean for the upcoming stretch? It does worry me when you see, all right, Syracuse is a traditionally really bad three-point defense throughout the year. 
Then they have a good pocket against bad teams. And now they're going up against a lot of really good teams in three point shooting. That That's scary. Right. One thing that kind of stuck out to me over the last four games, Syracuse is getting out rebounded. Yeah. Which doesn't, was funny because it doesn't matter. I've, I've been yeah. on that block for a while. I feel. Yeah. Like. Cause like, I mean, you look at it and, and it kind of goes into what I've been saying. Like if you get three or four chances on a possession, like the, it doesn't like the second and third rebound doesn't necessarily matter. Cause if you get the fourth, like I know it leads to the fourth rebound, but like it's, it's contributing to one possession there. Well, like right? Louisville shot so poorly that they were able to get rebounds because right. they were deflecting back out. And I mean, look, there was games. I think there was a stat last year where when they won the rebounding margin, they won the game. But mm. I, in general, I think the idea of, the biggest key to the season for Syracuse is rebounding is overrated when every Syracuse team good or bad has been bad at rebounding. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I think one, the one other thing too. So they are making 31 field goals and assisting on 16 of those buckets. Usually that number is a little bit higher, usually a little bit higher, but um, that, I mean, that's, that's, picking hairs at this point, but uh, yeah, the rebounding thing was, it struck me as odd because especially because of how well they rebounded to start the season too. I mean, how many times did we go through the prop shop and they were winning the rebounding battle? It felt like game. I can't remember the, how many times in a row they made it, but it was like on par with the number of times that Jimmy hit the first bucket almost how many times Syracuse was winning the rebounding battle. So, all right, that is going to do it for us today on the show. We'll be back tomorrow, all things Virginia tech and get you ready for that big one against the Hokies. The biggest one in this little chunk of six or so games, um, including the, the last four that Syracuse has played as part of this winning streak. So check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Subscribe to the show. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And we'll talk to you guys all things Virginia Tech tomorrow.